Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to November's Movies Podcast. Coming up, we look forward to some of the Blu-ray discs heading our way very soon. And joining me for the podcast this month is Chris, Simon and Mark. Good evening, guys. Hi, yeah. Hello. Evening, Phil. And uh, this is the news edition, but I have no doubt that we're going to talk about anything but the news. But uh, let's start as we mean to go on. And uh, let's kick off with Chris and uh, True Grit, 1969. Come to Blu-ray. Tell us all about it. Yeah, True Grit, a classic Western. John Wayne, Rooster Cogburn. The one-eyed um, Texas Ranger. Is he a Texas Ranger or is he just a sheriff? I can't remember. He's a US Marshal who's a cantankerous old bugger. Um, and he's got a, a score to a headstrong young girl played by Kim Darby uh, on a mission to find the man who murdered her father and fled with the family savings. Uh, it is a classic, classic movie. A tremendous Elmer Bernstein score. And, uh, you know, it's a perennial favourite of the Western genre. Uh, you've got a Texas Ranger Glenn, played by Glenn Campbell who joins the party. Uh, laughter and tears, it says here, punctuate the wild action in its extraordinary western which features poor performances by Robert Duval and the great Strother Martin as well. Uh, as I say, absolute classic. It's about to be remade. Tell it, is. it has been remade by the Coen brothers, hasn't it? And I do believe that uh, Matt Damon's in it. I think he plays the... Matt uh, Damon! Yeah. <laughs> Pardon? Um, he's he's playing the the younger Texas Ranger, uh, the Glen Campbell part, and who's playing the uh, the John Wayne part? Anyone know who that is? Is it Jeff Bridges or someone? Because that'd be cool. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Jeff Bridges playing it. Could be wrong. This is the, coming to Blu-ray. Um, it's Paramount who are doing it. It's rated G. Um, although there's a, there's a particularly uh, dark couple of violent bits in it, which are quite good, and a tremendously exciting bit where um, the girl's bitten by a snake and. Uh, Rooster Cogburn has to do a race against time to get her back to civilization and medication. Great, great sequence. You've got a commentary by Jeb Rosebrook, Bob Bose Bell, and Jay Stewart Rosebrook. So I presume these are like Western genre specialists. And there's something called true writing, obviously about the script and the screenplay. Working with the Duke, uh, Aspen Gold, locations of true grit, the law and the lawless, and the theatrical trailer. It's uh, in its original 185. Um, I'm not sure what the audio is going to be on this one. Um, who knows? Uh, but it, it's going to be that'd be a great one. I, I would definitely pick that up because I love westerns, and this is one of the one of the best ones. Uh, it, it's it's coming out on December the 14th. Uh, this is an American disc, no UK release date as yet. Uh, definitely one that I'm going to pick up because I, I love westerns, uh, and the Duke is you know well he's the Duke. He can't go wrong. Wasn't this something of a comeback for him? Had he sort of waned a bit oh. uh, this, this one come out and uh, <laughs> I was, I, I've only been waiting 10 minutes to say oh. that <laughs> God. get off get off your high horse uh. <laughs> oh where's my milk <laughs> uh, yeah well yeah it's it's kind of like 
he was moving with the times. He was admitting that he was getting on a bit. So he's not afraid of his weight. You know, he's, he's, still, he's a bulky guy. He's slow moving. Um, and he's obviously playing the mentor figure to, you know, the younger Texas Ranger, which was Glenn Campbell. And looking after this, you know, Kim Darby. Kim Darby went on to a lot of Disney movies, if I remember rightly. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he'd ever been away, to be honest. He, went, he fell out of favour, didn't he? Only the year before, you'd had the Green Berets, uh, which, yeah. of course, caused him a lot of, a lot of trouble. Um, so this was like going back, to, going back to my roots. I'm going to play a grizzled old cowpoke. And, you know, everyone loves me in this role. And indeed they did. And it became, yeah. a, you know, a perennial favourite. It's it's a darker sort. It's a darker story than a lot of the ones that he'd done previously. They still got all the yeah, the heroism is there, but it did mark a bit of a swing shift for him because after this he would go on to things like well the sequel Rooster Cogburn, and he would go on to things like the Cowboys, which again he played the aging mentor on the, on the cattle drive, teaching all these young lads how to how to do the job, and it ends very darkly, doesn't it? If anyone, anyone knows the movie. Um, he, he gets wasted, <laughs> and the young lads have to then go and get revenge for him. So it's a, it's a coming-of-age picture uh, with the darker theme of retaliation, uh, nobility thrown into it. But True Grit would have been the one that started it. It's a, it's a, it's a fabulous movie. And as I say, it's got a wonderful, wonderful um, soundtrack uh, by Elmer Bernstein. A class act. So, yeah, that's one I can't wait for. And uh, sticking with the, the Western theme, uh, Simon uh, Dances of Wolves, 20th Anniversary Edition. 20th anniversary edition, yes. It's coming on the 11th of January. Um, this is, again, the US disc. This as yet no UK release. Um, 20th anniversary, and the extended cut as well. Previously, it's only been the theatrical cut that's been available. So, um, quite looking forward to this one. It was a, quite a big Oscar winner, as I remember. I've not seen it for a few years, but I remember being very, very um, enthralled by it when it, when it was... Uh, when I saw it, oh, got to be... Four or five years ago now since I've seen it. Um, it's it's one of those films with uh, some of the best cinematography I think I've I've ever seen of the of the planes. The, it gives you that sense of the wide open space, the desolate uh, wild west as it would have been, and of course John Barry's score as well to go along with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a super superb film um, shot in two three five to one. We've got a, a seven point one. Um, DTS HD Master soundtrack as well, so that should be stonking. That'd be beautiful, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna it's gonna be a, a um, and to get the extended cut after oh two or three years now that it's been out, at least in the UK here, um, well, it's gonna be great. The extended cut, if I remember rightly, it, it adds you know there's quite a few scenes there. You got the the swine who've been butchering the uh, the buffalo. Don't need the, the the Sioux get older them, and you find out what they do to them. Which was like, which puts them in a bit of a, a darker light, although probably more realistic one. Uh, and you also got more of the, uh, the, the the crazy general at the start as well, haven't you? So, I, I, it's a long time since I've seen it, to be honest. I kind of went off the boil on this one. Uh, I think because of the uh, the, the Kevin Costner oversaturation. Yeah, yeah, Costner, yeah, so it puts you off, doesn't it? Um, but when, when you go back to it, I think this film was, you know, a fabulous, fabulous one. He, he, he directed it, he starred in it. Uh, he'd done all the promotion and everything. It was a it was a fabulous, fabulous film at the time. But like you say, I've not seen it for a long, long time. And you, you, you th- when you think about it, you think, oh no, Dancing Rules! Oh my God, no, too much, too much. But no, it was actually brilliant. It's got the bit with two socks, the wolf, uh, and it won't leave him, and he knows they're going to kill it. Oh dear, you know, I, I can't watch that scene. 
I just oh. cannot cannot watch that. That is so harrowing. I no no way no way on earth I'm ever going to watch that. I can't watch dogs or wolves dying in movies ever. Period. Don't do it. Don't do it, Kev. <laughs> Don't do it. Cut that bit out. <laughs> just put a caption in. And two socks went off merrily with his new his new wolf bride and raised a little pack of socklets. <laughs> yeah, they went to live on a farm, didn't they? Oh, you see, you bring the Boltons back in there. See what, <laughs> see what he's doing. Oh. Don't trust him. Don't trust him, folks. <laughs> he's a Walton. <laughs> I preferred Waterworld anyway. <laughs> what? What? Oh dear God! No, no, no! The postman was the best. <laughs> Jeez, I wish that postman had gone on strike <laughs> and never delivered. Ta-da! The um, uh, uh, the only criticism I have of this movie is that it, it does take its time. It's it's the pacing of it is very very slow. Um, especially after after the the introductions at the start with the uh, the Civil War and everything like that, and then it, the pace just changes, it slows right down. And, um, yeah, the cinematography is fantastic, the score's fantastic, but sometimes you just think it's, like, meandering on just a little bit too long. Did anybody else feel that about this? Yeah, yeah there, are, there are kind of huge swathes that are a bit like a kind of BBC documentary about the landscape. You know, you can get only so much of it, but... On the big screen, it must have been absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Well, yeah. He wanted to make a um, sort of, you know, analogy, didn't he? Um, a pastoral for the the Wild West. You know, re envision re-envisage. There is a word in there somewhere, but I'm bound <laughs> if I can find it. A, a postcard or a love story. Basically, he wanted to, you know, reimagine how yeah, the Indians appeared to be, you know, and try and paint them in, in their true authentic light. Now, there's a few real-life Native American Indians who actually despise this movie. Um, a couple of stars of uh, Latin Mohicans in particular. Russell Means just couldn't stand it. He said, you try to paint, paint up my people as far too noble and, uh, you know, peace-loving. And, you know, but it quite simply wasn't the way. There was lots of infighting. And uh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> he tried his best, didn't he? He went, he went to the little bighorn and he... This is Costner, and he, he, he apparently he almost passed out. He said, "I've, I've been here." He, he felt like a spiritual reawakening, which is you know why he, he chose to put so much heart and soul into making this movie. And I gotta admire that. I, I love that sort of thing. I'm a big fan of westerns, as, as you know. But this is a film, a kind of after initially embracing it and loving it and loving it, and then kind of the Costner oversaturation, and then a return to it. And you know, I, like like Phil, like you said, there, it's just. It became too meandering, too much of a, a an old painting come to life, which is what he wanted, but he kind of wanted a bit more action, didn't you? Um, but, I get you know, the whole argument. Sorry, but I get the whole argument about, you know, painting the Native Americans in more of a noble light and the like, and was it, did it kind of almost sanitise their nobility to a certain extent? But in many ways, if you view it more as a kind of counter-argument to the old-fashioned Westerns where, you know, the... Redskins or whatever would always be savages and and that kind of thing. It, it you know it's more of almost a, a counterbalance rather than a factual account. Yeah, and, and a necessary one as well because you know, they've been stereotyped throughout the entire you know um, genre. Yeah, a bit <laughs> so like it, um, so it was about time that they, you know they were the balance was redressed. But I mean, 
it could almost accept that it was skewed, a bit like, uh, say, uh, Stone's JFK or something like that, you know, noting that yeah. it is a skewed view, noting that it isn't entirely balanced, but that it's, it's a counter-argument. It's not supposed to be telling all sides. Yeah. And you've still got the, uh, the nasty, is it Pawnees, who are um, the ones who scalp everybody and they have a big battle with them. That's pretty, they're pretty, pretty fearsome, aren't they? So, I mean, there's, there's still the nastiness is there. But it, and it, again, the music, John Barry's score, God almighty, you know, that was an Oscar winner, wasn't it? I'm sure it was. I've actually got a gold-plated disc of that somewhere. Um, but yeah, that's probably one I'd, I'd pick up. Probably, probably. Probably. There's a lot more before that one, to be honest. True Grit. I'm having True Grit, though. Okay, so moving from the, the Wild West to uh, Asian cinema, and uh, Mark's going to tell us all about Hard Boiled. Ah, yes, now this is more up my street. No UK release date, but US on December the 14th, coming from Dragon Dynasty. It's the classic John Woo cop thriller. The master of all things action and slick. It's got all the classic hallmarks of a great John Woo film in that it's it focuses entirely on action. There's There are just so many cliches in there that you can see why some people dismiss his work. I mean, you've got, when you've got a cop who's avenging his partner's death, you know, someone called Tequila, for God's sake, uh, you know, likes jazz, you know, kind of lots of smoky rooms and lots of melancholy and, you know, working against the system, damn it, if they'd only back me and my methods. And the whole general rubbish that went with the buddy cop genre and the like. But it's got so much action in it that it makes up for it you don't really have to have to worry about characterization when you've got someone sliding down a banister firing two guns at once <laughs> uh, <laughs> now this is coming out on blue you could say it's it's a it's a debut but we have had it technically on the blu-ray format in that um when john woo collaborated and made a sequel to this uh in game format for uh, the next-gen consoles. On the collector's edition, they did include, uh, Midway Games included Stranglehold. On Technically, it was on the Blu-ray, but it was only accessible through the PlayStation 3 menu, so therefore it's not really what you could consider a, a Blu-ray film in that you couldn't play it in any old uh, player. And it, there were some people questioning the quality of it uh, before, so hopefully with this Dragon Dynasty release, it, they might address a few of those problems. But when they released the DVD, that was you know, a little bit stretched as well. And basically all of the extras that they've got here, audio commentary with Bay Logan and the various featurettes and trailer galleries are all lifted straight from the DVD. So it'll be a question of whether they're just simply sticking it out to make money or whether they're actually going to give us a genuine high-def transfer. Yeah, I'd like to think so. Didn't, didn't, wasn't um, the killer suffered as well, didn't it? Yeah, that that one suffered. I, I, if I recall correctly, that one in fact came out at 1080i, so that was a yeah. pretty horrific uh, release. There, there are so many of these kind of classic Hong Kong films that are just basically getting upscales, you know. And the list price, as soon as you see something sub twenty dollars, it does start to ring a few alarm bells. But there again, I, I seem to remember um, Shogun Assassin was at a similar price point. You know, their their niche titles. So. <laughs> Another right. great film. Yeah, too, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, <laughs> it's, a it's a good film, damn it. 
but no so so it could just be coming in at, at a budget price point but this was one of those films that um so penetrated the u.s market a lot more and so therefore you would assume that they would be looking to stick out a pretty good release yeah i, I agree with that it was um it was the pinnacle of his uh hong kong output almost it, it was the most slickest it was that had the biggest budget um, I didn't think it was his best film, actually. I'm, I much preferred The Killer or um, A Better Tomorrow. I thought they were much better films. Hardball, it, 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 it's a little bit soulless. Mm. You know, there, there are lots of cliches there. And as soon as, as, soon as he's writing a, an undercover cop who's supposedly killed absolutely dozens of people and no one thinks to say, hang on a minute, this might mm. not be entirely legal or his testimony might not stand up in court. Well, you, you know, you've got a, a shootout in a... In a hospital, in a hospital. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> saving the, the baby. Film. You know, you've got deciding to piddles down the flames. Yeah, yeah. it's classic. Down flames. You've got you know, getting out of trapped corridors and the like. You know, blowing doors open with crack shots and abseiling down into a room with a machine gun and a shotgun. It, it's got absolutely everything, and it you know it is fairly soulless in that. Very much so. It, it's like a video game. It's just one action sequence after another, and you, and you really don't need to bother paying attention too much to the story. You don't really need to know that his his partner's been killed because the partner's never really established anyway. So it's it's never any great loss. He's in it for five minutes and then he's dead. That's his own oh. role. But it's got Chalian fat, you know, shooting two guns at the same time and yeah. killing absolutely everyone in front of him which is yeah yeah it was the one that uh, sort of brought the west to to know who john Wee was and it was on the back of this film that he was brought to hollywood wasn't it if i remember yeah, right i mean the, yeah. the poster was pretty iconic as well it was one yeah. of kind of the, the first big hong kong films as i say it, it, it penetrated the kind of u.s consciousness and and got him well known and it doesn't matter that you never actually see the scene where chow in fact's holding the baby dressed like that it's <laughs> It doesn't really matter. It made a damn good poster. <laughs> but it's still not as good as The Killer. Yeah, Final Shootout of The Killer is better than the entirety of Hard Boiled, I would say. Although I do but, love Hard Boiled. But even that, I mean, the, the Final Shootout of The Killer is, is so phenomenal. But there are moments, as I say, when John Woo falls into kind of cliche by trying to almost westernise certain things, and it just doesn't translate as well. Like um, in The Killer, when they call each other... What was it, Mickey Mouse and Dumbo? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and to see someone, you know, blinded shouting Dumbo, it, it's just, you know, two blind people also crawling past each other. It yeah. could almost it's be a, a very dark comedy. It, it's, it is pushing it a bit far, that isn't it? See, my favourite. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm just moving off at a tangent. I've, I've always loved the killer, but I, I still say a better tomorrow too is very much underrated. But I don't know if anyone else here has <laughs> watched it. Yeah, I mean, A Better Tomorrow is a fabulous, fabulous film, and the second one, um, following straight on from it, yeah, yeah, it's it's okay. It's just a bit more of the same. Um, I, I, the, the first one was awesome. I, I would almost put um, A Better Tomorrow and The Kid on the, on the same pedestal. I think they're fabulous films. I haven't seen them. <laughs> oh, have they got doves in them? Uh, doves in slow motion, of course. Well, that, that's then, an, then, that's in that case, then I have seen them. <laughs> <laughs> you say, you know, it, it, again, it's got all the the classic cliches. But you saying doves almost uh, reminds me. Where it'll be interesting to see whether they use a 
dub titles on this because dub titles dub titles <laughs> you saying dubs just reminded me mm. so uh or whether they actually properly translate um the original language because i know that's something that's irked a lot of people down the years that they i think even the criterion release used dub titles so it, it's it's something you know a bone of contention but it I, I think it's quite unlikely that dragon dynasty will go to the effort of you know making entirely new subs but you're gonna get it aren't you so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's not gonna put you off oh definitely not i'm just i'm just hoping that the sound is up to scratch on this because with the amount of gunfire going off you really want it to be top notch yes you must certainly do having just viewed the expendables and knowing what a 7.1 track can do <laughs> with that amount of firepower going off yeah you want awesomeness bombastic awesomeness so moving on to uh, what's likely to be the biggest disc in December and that is Inception uh, it was big in the cinema back in the summer uh, coming out a UK release on the 6th of December 7th of December in the US uh, Chris what did you think of Christopher Nolan's latest one then? Uh, visually quite impressive uh, sci-fi dreamscape James Bond a lot of things rolled into one uh, the <laughs> What's his name? He directed it. <laughs> Christopher Nolan. Uh, never been the best at directing action, despite some major action movies on his his you know his back catalogue. But uh, this one seems to be a step in the right direction. But heady concepts of dreams within dreams and assassins and all that sort of stuff. Um, a bit of Matrix thrown in there as well. I, I, everyone I know loved the movie, and I think at the time I, I was quite whoa, this is this is great. But it was instantly forgettable as well. Uh, for me, it kind of left me cold. So you know, it, it's it it didn't blow me away. Let's put it that way. This is an unrated cut. It says here. I don't know what the differences in, are that are going to be. To be honest, um, but you know, it's it's a big big title, isn't it? Let's have a look and see what the specs are for it. Two point four out to one. You've got English DTS HD five point one. You've got exclusive HD content extraction mode infiltrate the dreamscape of inception i can imagine some some quite clever gizmos on this to be honest because it'll it being in tying in with the uh, the theme of the movie of slipping in and out of people's dreams and going deeper into dreams and stuff like that dreams cinema of the subconscious inception the cobol job uh, oh yeah 5.1 soundtrack selections from hans zimmer's score actually it, it wasn't a very good score if i remember rightly conceptual art gallery and promotional art art, art i can't archive trailers and tv spots bd live project some i can't pronounce that i don't know what that is confidential <laughs> files get get access to the highly secure files that reveal the inception of the dream share technology i'm sure that's a word from the movie but i, I I've, I've forgotten i can't remember uh, am i the only person who actually saw this at the flicks anyone else see it Can i know kaz saw it and he's raving about it i, I missed it completely <laughs> Yeah, he put uh, in a bagsy to review it about. He did, yeah, numerous months ago. Mm. Oh, so he loved it. He's welcome to it. DiCaprio is very good in it. You've got uh, Ken Watanabe. Um, you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Marion Cotillard. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, who is very nice. Ellen Page also very nice. And uh, Michael Caine's in there, which is a bit of a Chris Nolan favourite, isn't he? Mm. And Tom Berenger, the great Tom Berenger. It's a uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to uh, to drag it down. It just didn't really hook me as much as I thought it would. I mean, the trailer 
with the great folding city coming over the top of you, that kind of blew everybody away. But it's a kind of disposable moment in the movie itself. And a lot of people said that the film is very, very complicated. I don't think it is. I think you, you just you sit down, you watch it, and you're going to pick up on the threads. You're going to. It's not completely original, you know. You've seen the Matrix, you know. It's 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 kind of of the same family as that, I would say, concept conception wise. And uh, you just it, it pulls a rug from under your feet. But if you you've watched detective movies, you've watched thrillers and spy capers, and you're gonna you're gonna follow this. It's just it's got a bit of a sci-fi bent to it as well, which is a nice idea. But I don't think it was quite as um, groundbreaking as, you know, they were trying to make out with their, you know, the secrecy clauses and all this. You're never going to guess what this film is about. But there's, there's some great set pieces, and it's definitely going to be, it's, it'll clean up on Blu-ray. I have no doubt at all. It's going to look and give sound it a wonderful, brilliant. wonderful review. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be a look and sound brilliant, isn't it? Bouncy, um, you know, Batman Begins or, or Dark Knight Returns, they oh, look nice. and sound fabulous, don't they? So, yeah. I mean, this oh, is going to be no different, yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be gonna be great. And I say it's another step in the right direction for DiCaprio, you know, the, the ones you know, <laughs> pretty boy, um, of Titanic and a few other things, Romeo <laughs> and Juliet. And but he's, he has definitely come on as an actor, an actor, there's a uh, hidden depths there. You know, and he actually is a very, very watchable um, sort of gritty hero. That's the persona he seems to be adopting these days. And this one certainly carries that on. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to clean up. It just isn't hooking me. <laughs> As you can probably tell from my, the unexcitement in my voice. <laughs> but moving speedily along, <laughs> um, you've got I Spit on Your Grave, uh, a, an unforgiven video nasty. It's this is a 1978 original version. Stars and Anchor Bay, unsurprisingly, are releasing this one in its unrated form in America. Uh, it's February the 8th, 2011, for the US one. What's that? 20th September the U- 2010 was the UK one. Yeah, the UK one, one's it? already out, isn't it? As, 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 as a big. Was uh, that was Arrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Arrow, Blu ray, and DVD. And, uh, Good set, though. Good set, but unfortunately, Be- can't. Beautiful uh, package, as they always mm. do with art cards and multiple um, sleeves and. You know all the gubbins on it, but uh, it's a horrific movie. Yeah, and the reason for that is 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 not necessarily because of the protracted, and it is protracted. She gets raped. God, I've forgotten how many times. Uh, this this is an artist who moves out to the country. I mean, do we? There isn't really a plot to it. Basically, she gets she because she's out alone in this country mansion, and the local you know hillbilly rednecks, which always seem to be around in these places, uh, decide to not well not eat her for a change. But uh, to rape her repeatedly, and um, even when she picks herself up and staggers off, they catch her again, do it all over again. And then she gets back to her house, and they do it all over again. It's uh, it's horrible. Uh, without a doubt, it's horrible. The actress who who, who plays the main woman, uh, she is she is you know crazily fantastic in the part because it's you know it's a pretty nasty role to have. Um, anyway, she obviously gets her revenge. It was initially called Day of the Woman. Um, which was literally to say that you know uh, that every woman will have her day and she will, you know, hell hath no fear like a woman scorned. And with outboard motors, axes, and all sorts of weaponry, she dishes the uh, the pain back on the uh, the gang. But the problem with it is, I always found that the vengeance was over far too swiftly, and it wasn't nasty enough. I mean, even the castration in the bog in the bog in the toilet. <laughs> 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 The, the devilish lid of the toilet's castrated him. 
Oh, the the bit in the bath with Terry only members where she yeah. um, hacks off his bits and you know, the soap suds go all red and frothy and bloody. Well, it just isn't enough. Another very similar um, horror movie from almost a decade before. Well, I think it was seventy-one, which was Wes Craven and Sean Cunningham's uh, The Last House on the Left. A film after I first saw it, uh, I vowed I would never, ever, ever watch it again. Despite a couple of pivotal images in it, um, it's just too horrific for words, I found. Too disturbing, too harrowing. And basically, you're watching 70 minutes of two girls being tortured and humiliated and then murdered, and 10 minutes of the, the parents' revenge. It wasn't enough. The balance wasn't there. And these days, what you find, because both of these films have been remade, um, in fact, The Ice Bit on Your Grave uh, 2010 remake is also coming out February the 8th, the same 2011th. Day. Yeah, same date from Stars and Anchor Bay again, an unrated version. Um, now, I haven't seen it. Uh, I really didn't want to see it, to be honest, because mm. I don't like the original one. But, you know, I, I appreciate the, the fans are going to be out there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a double bill for you for people of jaded taste which I would normally class myself as being one of them, but obviously I have got standards, which I didn't really realise I had. On the original one, you have an all-new interview with the writer, producer, director, uh, Miyazaki, about the making of this film and its legacy for the past three decades. Uh, 185 to 1. Well, one, no details on, this, on the audio. Uh, Stars and Anchor Bay, it's, they're probably going to give it some kind of um, surround sound. Uh, don't know though. I mean, there's, there's been a, there's been a few where they've actually stuck to the original lossless um, stereo or even mono. So we have to see what they do with this one. Um, I suppose in your grave, the 2010 one. What do we have with this? Uh, it's in Dolby 2H 2HD 5.1. You've got a filmmaker's commentary. You've got a behind-the-scenes featurette, original theatrical teaser and trailer, and deleted scenes on it apparently. Um, so. As I say, I can't comment on that one. Uh, I, I would presume that, like the remake of Last House on the Left, this one probably does attempt to redress the balance by having a lot more of the revenge on the gang. It probably won't be quite as explicit either. Well, no, it, it probably isn't, you know, but it's still probably... They'll be, they'll be shot from behind a bush or, or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's completely uh, unsavory, of course. <laughs> Sorry, Should I thought you were thinking yeah. some kind of pun then. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> well, I mean, but Last House was was you know shot very nicely, even with the with the horrors going well, on. Well, they, they toned it down. But yeah, back, back so. to Last House for a minute, for a minute on the, um, the original Wes Craven one. You had the uh, and I, even though I've not watched the film since, there is one terrific sequence in it where um, I think he's called Rat or Weasel or Ferret. What he's got his big buck teeth on him, and uh, he has to dream about the uh, the mother. Uh, and she puts a hammer and chisel to his buck teeth, doesn't she? And it's brilliantly shot, brilliantly done. Uh, and they obviously, they cut the sequence just before, well, just as the hammer hits his teeth. And it really does, God, it's a jolt, that one. Um, and, you know, people, including Wes Craven, have said that that's where he got his first taste for, you know, creative dream footage. Obviously, led on to Nightmare on Elm Street. But, uh, yeah, it, these are, once again, the, the reprieve of the old video nasties. Uh, it, it seems to carry on unabated at the moment. There's still plenty of great ones out there which haven't been uh, released, but I'm sure they're going to see the light of day on Blu-ray before long, because this is like a continuous assembly line of atrocity, isn't it, really? <laughs> it is. It's nice to see them come to blue, I suppose. But, uh, but Obviously, if you're a fan, don't bother yeah. with the UK version, cause it, you know, because it, it <laughs> no. is cut down, <laughs> but probably yeah. for the right reasons. Vampire Circus. <laughs> oh, yes. 
Vampire Circus. Okay. Isn't that Ward in that? Yes, she is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Adrian Corrie as well. Uh, not Adrian from Corrie. <laughs> Adrian Corrie. Uh, it, this is a classic Hammer movie. One of the one of the last of Hammer movies and also one of their most depraved as well. Vampire Circus, it says it all. It's a travelling circus in rural Transylvania or, or you know, Borumwood. <laughs> it probably was shot. Yeah. Uh, and they arrive in towns and basically just take everybody else. But it's 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 a magical sort of movie as well. There's a lot of supernatural elements to it, other than just vampirism, because you have like they they, they look. It's it's very controversial. Uh, they lure young kids into the Hall of Mirrors and take them out. Basically, um, you have there's plentiful gore in it. There's lots of nudity. Um, even by Hammer standards, it's a lot more explicit. There's a very famous sequence of Dave Prowse as the uh, strongman and he's he's being challenged by a woman who's been painted to look like a tiger and she there's only the very skimpiest of uh, cloths covering her and nethers and then painted over because you know when i was when i was a kid and i had this on video you know i obviously <laughs> paused that bit a lot obviously you? froze the frame <laughs> said pivotal shots and i know, I know, I know the exact shot as well <laughs> The secret's out again. <laughs> Only I was Sam Spade. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he picks her up at one stage, and the camera sort of behind, and she swings her legs in the air. And well, I'll leave the rest of your imagination. But that was it. So, to, for a young a young lad growing up in in in, <laughs> in that day and age. That was a bit of an education. Uh, but wonderful stuff. It's uh, very dark, action-packed. There's, a, there's even a savage uh, wolf attack when a family tries to flee. And uh, this, obviously, this village where the circus has, you know, taken residence, and they, they flee into the woods. And it's a rather epic sort of sequence as well, especially for Hammer. Uh, and you know uh, the location's fantastic, and they get hunted down by a pack of ravenous wolves. And you see the aftermath of it as well. It's very nasty. Uh, but this is from Synapse Video. It's a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. Uh, it's the first of several that they're going to release. Uh, this is coming out. There's no specific date that I've got here, but it's certainly the back end of this year. So well, we haven't got much this year left, so it's going to be in the next couple of weeks, next few weeks. Um, it's priced at, I think, $29.95, and you have some uh, some good special features on it too. A blood-curdling array of stuff. The bloodiest show on earth, Making Vampire Circus, an all-new documentary featuring interviews with writer-director Joe Dante, who didn't make this film, by the way. Uh, Hammer documentarian Ted Newsom, Video watchdog editor Tim, uh, Tim Lucas. Been a lot of um, Blu-rays and DVDs lately. Uh, author, film historian Philip Nutman, and actor Dave Prowse. Hey! Uh, gallery grotesques yeah uh, a brief history of circus horrors ooh this, that could be quite freakish couldn't it um, visiting the house of hammer Britain's legendary horror magazine a retrospective on the popular British horror comic publication who's got any of those left anyone I've got all of them fantastic uh, what else it's featuring artwork by Brian Bolland oh that's about the end of comic book poster and stores gallery original theatrical trailer uh, you've also got it. The audio is um, DCS HD two-channel mono. Um, you've got a DCS um, HD MA music and effects track as well. <laughs> Don't know how much fun that could be, but uh, that's great. And the, the other titles they're bringing out, they're bringing out Twins of Evil. You know all of that one, don't you? There's a, there's a lot of... Twins of Evil? That was a Hammer House of Horror, wasn't it? 
Twins of Evil was uh, the, the two Collins, M- Madeline and Marilyn Collins, uh, who play these well, vampire twins. David Warbeck's in it as well. There's this, he plays a, a school teacher, I think I'm right, who try who well <laughs> doesn't try to stop them. I think he falls heavily under their spell. Uh, and you've got Hands of the Ripper, which is coming out uh, in the coming months as well, for some time next year. Um, now I've reviewed the Hands of the Ripper on uh, DVD. And that, that's a great film. Ankarad Reese is in that one. That's it's a it's a great mystery as well, great detective yarn, and there's a couple of shocking moments in it. See, you know, for all those that think that Hammer sort of died a death in the seventies, it's not quite true. Some of their their better and you know more groundbreaking and adventurous movies and movies were made then. And of course, this ties in with a what have we just had out of the flicks now? The American remake of Let the Right One In entitled mm-hmm. Let Me In. And what is it? It's a Hammer movie. Yay! Nice. It's actually Hammer. And it's made money, which means that the guy in charge of Hammer right now is going to stick to his word, I hope, and remake Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter. Get in there. Get in there. Brian Clemens wrote the original. Caroline Monroe was in it. And Horst Janssen, the um, uh, Bjorn Borg lookalike. Brilliant stuff. Uh, and now if that is successful, as it's, I can't imagine it couldn't be, um, that could spark a series of other Kronos movies, which is what the original intention was. So, you know, it's, it's a great time for Hammer. A great time for, for horror on, uh, on Blu-ray as well. Stop. Hammer time. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. How long uh, have you waiting to say that? <laughs> well, when you get a break in the, in the commentary, I suppose. As long as you're about saying about the Duke being on the wane, perhaps. Oh, well, you know... <laughs> Perhaps. Oh, and this this also leads us on to um, a couple of Criterion releases. Having just mentioned Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter, you've got Guillermo del Toro's Kronos coming out from uh, from Criterion, uh, which I know we've just had a box set of del Toro movies in the UK, which I haven't looked at, although I was was sorely tempted to pick them up. And they had some kind of of spammy cutout packaging, didn't they? Like a, a, all the characters from Pan's Labyrinth and that, I don't know, but, but apparently they're not they're not very good. It's a very flimsy sort of thing. But um, and I'm not sure what the extras were on it, but it was a box set of Pan's Labyrinth, Devil's Backbone, and Kronos. And I heard tell on the grapevine that the Kronos transfer was very poor. I haven't seen it though. Now this is Criterion, so you kind of know it's going to be the best they could possibly find and best mm. that they could do with it. Uh, you've got two audio commentaries on it from Del Toro and the producers. Uh, you've got something called Geometria, an unreleased 1987 short horror film by Del Toro, finished by the director in 2010. Now, that could be interesting. Plus a brand new uh, video interview with him. Welcome to Bleak House, a video tour by Del Toro of his office, featuring his collectibles and personal work. New video interviews with Del Toro, uh, the producers, and actor Ron Pellman. Hellboy! Hey! Video interview with actor Federico Lupi, who's the main star of the movie. Um, the old guy who finds the, um, the, the, the Kronos device uh, and becomes a kind of, well, eternal vampire because of it. A stills gallery, a trailer, a booklet featuring an essay by film critic Maitland McDonough. Very good, very good stuff. An excerpt of Del Toro's notes for the film. And I say that's from Criterion, and that comes out... When does it come out? When does it come out? <laughs> well, as, as usual, Chris did his homework exceptionally well there. Well, it says no, no hang on, I know December. It's slated for December, but I've not got the date. I have December the 7th. Hey, I get there in the end. <laughs> but not only that, not only have you got Kronos, you've got, wait for it, 
David Cronenberg's Videodrome. Awesomeness. Ooh. Awesomeness. You know. Now, that's probably going to follow the um, original Criterion release, which I've got of, of, uh, of Videodrome, which is fantastic. I mean, anyone else picked that up? It actually came in a, in a box like an old video cassette, which I thought was a very, very nice little touch of theirs. Two audio commentaries, David Cronenberg and his, and his uh, DOP, and James Wood and Deborah Harry doing a commentary as well. Camera, yeah, Debbie Harry. Uh, a short yeah. film starring video journalist Les Carlson, written directed by Cronenberg, film called Camera. Forging the New Flesh. I mean, I, I, I take it I'm t- preaching to the converted here with the film Videodrome. We, we're all very familiar with it. It's a, a very dark and um, sinuous, effects-ridden uh, satire about the way that the video medium was going. Basically, taking the you know, snuff film and how far we were going to go in, into the realms of, of snuff. And it becomes a very hallucinogenic uh, body horror experience for, for James Woods, the great yeah. James Woods, who plays this seedy um, TV broadcaster and distributor of, uh, of, of, well, soft porn, basically. Although he's looking for the hard stuff, he discovers yeah. this, this channel, this sort of guerrilla subterranean channel originating somewhere in South America, in inverted commas, where life is cheap. And... Um, you know, it's 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 about live torture. It's just called Videodrome, and there's no yeah. plot, no no stars in it. Just people being tortured, um, and but exposure to this causes mental um, breakdown, hallucinations, and just you know a, a lot of very messy stuff to happen. Um, so you've got documentaries, Forging the New Flesh, a half-hour documentary featurette about the making of it. Um, Effects Men, a new interview with special makeup effects creator uh, Rick Baker and uh, video effects supervisor. Bootleg video, the complete footage of Samurai Dreams, which is part of one of the, one of the things that he sees, uh, which is a, a, docu- a, a series of films he can distribute. There's a lot of you know softcore porn and stuff in these things. It's all, all very arty. Uh, and seven minutes of transmissions from Videodrome, which I would advise you not to watch because you go insane. <laughs> presented in the original unedited, unedited form. These were all on the original uh, DVD release. Fear on Film, a 26-minute roundtable discussion from 1982 between filmmakers Cronenberg, John Carpenter, John Landis, and Mick Garris. Now, you know, obviously anyone who's a horror fan is going to lap that up. Fabulous stuff. Um, original theatrical trailers and promotional featurettes, stills galleries featuring hundreds of rare behind-the-scenes production photos, and a booklet um, from writers Carrie Ricky, Tim Lucas again from uh, Video Watchdog, and Gary Indian. Uh, now, that, that'll be great. Again, so there's there's two two more genre favourites from from Criterion, the home of cult movies. See, everyone got their pun in there, and I was going to try and say something about not being able to find the release date for a film called Kronos, which I thought would have been vaguely <laughs> oh, amusing. Yeah, vaguely. But vaguely. there wasn't time. Oh, I just knew you'd do that. Oh, very <laughs> clever, very clever. Inspired, inspired stuff from the Bolton. <laughs> been waiting five minutes to say that <laughs> and of course it wasn't worth it in the end but we got used to that uh, <laughs> okay so uh, that wraps up our podcast for this month don't forget it next month is our final podcast of 2010 and uh, we will be discussing our favorite films of the year on disc and at the cinema so join us for that all i need to do is thank chris mark and simon for tonight thank you guys cheers it's been phil. great cheers phil and if you have any questions, queries or comments, you can send them to podcast or comment in the podcast forum on the main editorial forums. 
So this is Phil Hinton team. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you again very soon. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.